Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the FemiPod. This is episode number 58. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I am here with, of course, my bestie, Esty. Est, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Lids. We've, you, as you know, because we're together today, which is very nice. Had a bit of a hectic week. So, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. And it's been great, though, to get together with the team that we work with in Auckland, Tegan and Stefan in person has been really cool. So, yeah, just uh, had a good week and preparing for Tarawera which is coming up in just over a week. So can't wait to see a lot of the Femi girls out there repping the Femi and repping the Femi flag, which will be really cool. And yeah, just hoping my body comes right. I felt a little bit fatigued over the last week. I think maybe it's the humidity though. We were talking about that today and just how humid it's been in New Zealand. It's been pretty insane. So lots of factors and um, still got lots of time to prepare and feel good. So yeah, really excited about that and excited for next week and getting together with the Femi fam in person. How are you, Lids? Yeah, good. I am so excited for next week as well. Even though I'm not racing, I can't wait to be there and be amongst some of the Femi community and the trail community as well. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Things are very busy at the moment for us. So I apologize in advance if it feels like my brain is not with me today. I've had a very long day. <laughs> um, so we are actually recording the night before we release this episode. So it is, um, we're trying to fit everything in at the moment. So we're just letting all of our listeners know that that is reality sometimes trying to keep things rolling, but um, it's good to be here and I'm excited to chat to you today. Yes, yes, we're cutting it fine today, 6pm the night before the Femi pod goes live, so it's how much we love doing it, we're going to get it done. <laughs> we do, I think with everything in life, consistency is key, Um, and we've, you know, made a pact with ourselves that we are going to get the episodes out every week, even if it does come down to the night before having to record, so we actually are really excited to chat today about a particular topic that we've been actually chatting a little bit about recently anyway, uh, I posted on Instagram earlier this week about things kind of not to put up with in 2023 and there was quite a big response to that post probably the biggest response I've had to a post in a very long time which I think the reason behind that is that everyone resonated with the kind of what I was talking about around how to push toxic things aside this year to make yourselves feel better and make decisions that are right for you and work with you from both a physical and mental perspective and so uh, I'm going to read through those kind of steps of what we should be not putting up with in 2023. Um, the first one being before and after photos. I think hopefully everyone listening can all agree that they are toxic and we're going to go into depth around what those before and after photos mean to people and why they are so toxic. The second one being trainers who encourage you to set goals around what you look like. Uh, we will definitely jump further into that, talk about why it's so important to work with trainers who are not based on what you look like. Uh, working with coaches that don't know anything about a menstrual cycle uh, or female hormones, and I don't think we need to explain that one too much, <laughs> but definitely 
going forwards, everyone, no matter what sport or exercise you play or what sort of form of movement you do, you should be working with people who at least understand the female hormones in the menstrual cycle. Uh, the next one being people who push fasting or something that is not good for you. We're definitely going to jump more into that. And then the last one being around platforms that force you to compare yourselves, which again, probably speaks for itself, but using platforms that force you to compare yourself to others is definitely not healthy. So yes, should we jump into the first one? Let's do it. Before and after photos, what is your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you said it with the word toxic. I think there's so much that goes into a before and after photo that's negative and it's, you know, it's it's really deep. And when you think about it deeply, you can actually start to understand, you know, what's wrong with it and why it's toxic. And I think one of the first things is just around weight stigma. And this is something that we've both experienced in our lives and especially through coaches who we've worked with telling us that, you know, the weight that we're carrying will slow us down, but then we've tried to lose that weight and we've ended up really unhealthy. And, you know, that led me actually quitting sport and Lydia as well, having to take, you know, 18 months off training. And that's because someone had a stigma around our body size and the shape that we had and and the weight that we, you know, were at the time, which is really, really unhealthy. But generally I think, you know, before and after photos, they're showing someone that's lost weight or maybe toned up and, I'm not saying like, don't strive to gain muscle. I think that's probably one of the most important things as women that we need in our lives to support our, you know, skeleton. And as we get older to keep muscle mass, it's really, really important. But, you know, priding yourself on that after photo, and it may be that you've lost weight means that, you know, before and that before photo, you didn't fit the mold, the mold of social expectations of whatever that may be like aesthetically pleasing or good or nice. And for Lids and I, that was, you know, our weight with running and our coaches, you know, we didn't fit that social expectation of a runner's body. So we got told it wasn't right. And I think that just contributes to weight stigma and that anyone carrying more weight or, or fatness in general is bad and it's unhealthy. Right. And like, it contributes to the whole idea that thinner is better, which we know is not true. And it's really detrimental. And like, there's even been studies that disprove that, you know, fat is completely linked to being unhealthy. Like it's not, there's some people that would be seen as overweight based on BMI or obese. And first of all, BMI is a useless standard, shouldn't be used, but you know, these people are technically obese or overweight on BMI, but are metabolically more healthy than someone that may fit the average BMI, like a healthy BMI. So looking at someone based on their weight doesn't mean that they're healthy or not. And I think by praising a smaller body, you have no idea what that person's actually going through. And they may be, you know, really unhealthy underneath it all. And their size beforehand was actually a lot healthier for them inside and out. So it's so much more complicated there and then that and a bigger body does not mean you're more health, unhealthy than a thinner body. And I think on the flip side of that, it's really important to think about the opposite of someone coming out of like an eating disorder. Like if you imagine a before and after photo of someone that may have been struggling with an eating disorder and then they've come out of it, like I understand that and I understand that getting through an eating disorder is extremely challenging and you should be extremely proud of yourself for getting to the other side but the reason that it can be toxic is that if someone is struggling with an eating disorder and they look at your before photo and they see that you are absolutely tiny 
and they may not fit that mold as well, but they're really struggling with an eating disorder. They may not reach out for help and get the help that they need. And, and we know that like the sooner that someone gets help, the more likely they are to recover from an eating disorder. So it's just being really mindful about what you're putting out there and those before and after photos, you know, either losing weight or putting it on can both be really negative and toxic. So I think that's like a really important, important piece of the puzzle there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like, I think about the fitness industry over the last 10 to 15 years and so much of it has been really based around these before and after photos from the likes of some big, you know, influencers on Instagram who have gained a following purely because of they've been posting before and after photos of people. And it really has shaped the fitness industry even more than it was before to be based around what people look like. Like it's pretty much saying that the output of fitness is what you look like, which is so not true. Like there is so much more to being fit than to be looking a certain way. And, you know, we always say you should be focusing on how you feel and the gains that you're making in your strength or your speed or your fitness, whatever they might be, that is so much more powerful than looking a particular way. And I think these before and after photos have really shaped the fitness industry just to be predominantly based on appearance. And that's why we put so much pressure on ourselves to, I guess, look the certain way to fit into this mold that this fitness industry um, has like created, which is, yeah, it is just so out of what exercise and movement and sport should be about. Um, and I think even with those before and after photos, there's so much back in like context that just isn't shown through one image, you know, like there's so much context about what that girl, as you said, is like what she might be going through that you just don't see from a photo and all that person who's staring at that photo, all they see is like someone who looks a particular way and then looks a different way in another photo and it feels like there should be like praise around that. Um, but there's no context given into like what she's going through, how she's done that. There's so many things like your body can literally change one to two kilos in weight around your menstrual cycle. You know, like I know that for a fact. And that is why I would never get on any scales because your body weight fluctuates all the time. And having this like really specific number that you think you should be hitting every day or every week is really toxic as well. And it's exactly the same thing when you look at people online and you look at these before and after pics, it's like setting these expectations that you should be doing that as well. Um, but there's no context as to like how that, what that person is going through. So I think it's really important to understand. I, I think you said this is like, girls who look a particular way doesn't actually represent who they are or how they how they got there or how they're actually feeling and I know for a fact and even myself when I was like at my lowest body weight I was going through hell like I didn't love myself you know but if I posted a before and after photo when I lost a certain amount of weight throughout that period of my life people would probably I actually had people praise me like I had mm. people friends say to me you look so good you know with no idea actually what was going on in the background. So yeah, I think the before and after photos, there's many reasons why they're toxic. And one of them being that it's creating this world that we live in with around fitness and sports and movement, that it's all based on appearance, which it is not. And, and it also doesn't give the context that it deserves. So true. And like, I've even seen the photos where you can clearly tell the lighting is different and they've got a fake tan. And all these things that will help them look better in the after photo based on what society believes is, you know, looking better or beautiful. And you can just see that they're doing it just for that clout, you know, to show that they've 
lost the weight or done whatever the plan was, but it's just not even real. Like it's not real life. And like you said, like you can put on so much weight in your menstrual cycle. I know before my period, I feel like I like my shorts are physically tighter, my tops tighter. Like I can feel the difference in my body and yeah, there's just no context behind it. You're so, you're so right. And I think, you know, one other one is just like unhealthy comparison. There's always an idea that one photo in those two photos is better than the other. And your idealized is like the smaller weight or you despise the one beforehand. And it's just so bad for your satisfaction of your body and, and how you look at your own body. And I think the other thing is just promoting, again, what we believe to be beautiful and people looking at that and altering what they believe in themselves and that start changing their behavior because they want to look that way because people are getting all this praise. You were bang on before when you said people praising you when you were at your smallest. And mm. it's just really sad. I've, I've had girls reach out to me before and say, you know, I'm really struggling with eating disorder, but I got praise about these photos of me running. And it's, you know, I'm actually technically shouldn't even be running right now because I've lost my menstrual cycle, but I'm getting all this praise and it's just, we need to be so aware of what's going on in the background and just be really mindful of what we say to people around their weight. And and the main thing should be, how are you feeling? Like, are you healthy? How's your performance? Can you bounce back? Like that's so much more important than saying, you know, you look good. It's just so, so much more toxic and there's so much more in the background than just the physical appearance of a person. And I just think it's so important to to highlight that and I love that you said that it's toxic because it, it totally is yeah and I mean I feel like we've made a lot of gains in the last probably like five years with people coming out on social media and doing like before and after photos and disclaiming that they were two minutes apart and the lighting's different I think that's all like great but it's still based around what we look like you know and there's just this obsession with like looking a particular way um whether that is lean and skinny or whatever or like curvy and yeah it's still just like people are just so obsessed with our appearance and and it is in a nutshell it's toxic Mm. it's so hard with social media too right because it is going to be like I don't think we'll ever get rid of the looking at other people and I don't know if that will ever disappear but it's being aware of it right yeah it is and like we sit here in a privileged position where we've kind of worked through those challenges of what we look like and not liking what we look like and now we're in this place where we feel comfortable with our looks and we don't wake up every day being like we love ourselves but I know that it can be really challenging for people and I do know that I'm privileged to be happy in my body now but trying to encourage other people to just like love themselves for yeah maybe what they look like if they feel that's the right day for them but also love yourself for other things that isn't based on your looks it helps so much but I think that kind of leads into the next point around trainers and gyms specifically who are working with people and setting their goals on their looks and basing their goals about, for example, let's get you a six pack or let's get you like a big booty or let's get you something that's purely based on how your body appears. And for trainers to be doing this, you're, these trainers are only pushing this idea that your value sits within your appearance again. And it's all tied in together, but trainers need to realize that pushing that onto people and telling them that they have to look a certain way just makes them feel even more insecure in themselves. It makes them create a really toxic relationship with exercise and sport because they're chasing things that are probably not even achievable for them, for their body types. Um, And 
they're never really going to enjoy the form of movement that they're doing. So I'm just so passionate about like trying to get trainers to set goals that aren't appearance-based and be like, cool, we want to get you to do like five chin-ups or we want you to like be able to squat X amount of weight and like those movement goals based around exercise and particular patterns and maybe it is for running, you know, let's get you to 10Ks. That's going to make you feel so much better about yourself, believe us, than, you know, getting a six-pack and you're going to feel so much more confident in yourself and you're going to feel so much stronger if you achieve those like physical goals versus like try and get those appearance goals. Cause there's nothing more frustrating than being in a gym and seeing a trainer, put someone on the weights uh, on the scales and tell them like, this is your goal for the next eight weeks. We're going to lose three kilos or whatever it might be. Like mm-hmm. it's so toxic. And put them on a ridiculous diet. Like I remember reading that like a hun- it's almost a hundred percent of diets don't work. Like people put on their weight within six months. So they might lose it initially they put it on within six months and then like a very high percentage end up more. They put on more. And the reason being, because it's so restrictive, it's not something that you can do and enjoy your life and like eat food and be happy. Like it's so diets in general are really restrictive. Like I understand trying to be healthy nutritionally to look after your body and longevity, but restricting like a food group or, you know, we'll go into it in more detail soon, but like keto diets and those sort of things. So restrictive so unenjoyable and they just do not create a sustainable relationship with food and exercise Um, and I think you mentioned it before as well Liz like how shallow it is just to train for the way you look and like if you think about all of your training going into this one output and you're not looking at anything else that's happening internally it's just like all of your self-worth is within that one output which is the way you look and you're never going to assess your whole body holistically and like the way you feel and the way you know, your body's moving and your ability to perform well. So yeah, it's just a very shallow look at what exercise does for someone and it needs to go by buys. And it's so, it's so unsustainable. I'm like, can you imagine waking up in the morning, your alarm goes off at 5am and you're like, I've really got to get to the gym because I really got to get that six pack Mm. versus waking up at 5am to your alarm being like, I want to go and exercise and go for a run or go and lift weights because it makes me feel strong and confident and really helps with my mental health. That's a stark difference between those two kind of approaches. And I know which one I'd prefer to be doing. Definitely. Yes. Enjoy training. Like it gives you such more positive or outlook on training. And then I think The other thing is it gives you more freedom to like take days off, right? Like if your ultimate goal is just to lose weight and to like look a certain way, you're going to punish yourself and you're going to be like, I need to do it for this. But if you're doing it for your mental health and you realize actually I probably need a day off here, like I'm really fatigued and you'll actually listen to that more. And I think you'll ultimately perform better because you're able to listen to your body and be more flexible in your training because you're doing it for your mental health rather than for the way you look as punishment. 100%. And so you'll do what's right for your body, which I think leads very nicely into the next one, which is about not working with coaches that don't know anything about the menstrual cycle or female hormones. Like we now live in an age which we're very, very lucky to do so that there is information out there and that coaches should know better and should know that in the famous words, women are not small men. We shouldn't be training in a way that is similar to to men you know we are different we have different hormones the way our bodies function not and not just different to men but are different in ourselves every single day so 
our coaches, no matter what sport or exercise you play or move in, we should have be working with coaches who know the menstrual cycle and know how to work with your body and not against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. I think the tides are changing, but it's still, we need more momentum. And obviously what we're trying to do at Femi is to, to gain that momentum. But yeah, I just think the other day I was just thinking about, it. I did a post about it as well. And just like physically myself, I am so affected by my menstrual cycle. And the fact that until I was 28 or whatever, I never even really thought about it in my training. And I think that just blew my mind. And I was like, it literally affects my energy, my sleep, my mood. Like, like I said before, bloating, like my ability to train and recover, like how hard training feels is like completely linked to your hormones. I'm like, how has this been in woman's history for so long yet we haven't really acknowledged it until recently and actually said you know this does impact the way women feel this does impact training and recovery how has it been until 2022 that there's been you know a big shift and there still needs to be so much more but it just blows my mind and we need to acknowledge the fact that it does affect us and honestly if you asked any woman who naturally menstruates or any person that naturally menstruates you can guarantee that almost all of them will say that they've been affected by their menstrual cycle and performance. So we can't ignore it. It is facts and we need to acknowledge it and we need to work alongside it to get the best out of our bodies and, you know, recover and be able to train well and and perform well. Totally. In the ideal world, every coach and every trainer would know the menstrual cycle and be open to adapting training to it. But unfortunately we don't live in the ideal world. So it's almost on us to kind of take action to say, I'm not going to work with people who don't understand the cycle because if you say that to yourself, you're actually going to better yourself. You'll actually get programming that is suited for you um, and your progress in your fitness journey will you know, be so much better and more enjoyable if you do that. So take that action 100%. The next one being people who push fasting as something that is good for you and the keto diet. And I know if you're a long time listener you would know that we are not fans of either fasting or the keto diet we've both had experiences ourselves with both of those things and we can definitely say that neither of them work especially for females and especially for females who move and so for me I went through the keto diet probably about eight years ago now where I cut out carbohydrates for six months. I was kind of encouraged to do this by my inner circle, people I lived with and were friends with who had, you know, aligned their values to being on a keto diet. And I kind of saw them and I I wanted to obviously lose weight because I was put under this pressure from my coach to do so. And I kind of tried it, had tried a lot of things. I wouldn't say everything, but a lot of things at that point. And I thought, you know, maybe the keto diet was one thing that would be able to help me to strip weight or get lean in quotation marks. Um, (laughs) And so I did it for six months. I cut out carbs completely. I was continuing to run. I was running pretty high mileage throughout that period, probably about 140 Ks on average a week. And yeah, I think it was within maybe another six months after that, I lost my menstrual cycle completely. So it was definitely not beneficial for me. I, I think I lost maybe two kilos in the first couple of weeks of doing it. And then I put on five kilos after that. So 
don't take that loss of two kilos as something that was good. Um, I definitely want to disclaim that. It's not good that I lost two kilos in that short amount of time. And it was even worse that I put the weight, you know, back on after that um, and ended up in a worse position where my hormones were all out of whack. I didn't have a healthy menstrual cycle. My mental health was suffering. My body was falling apart. So anyone who encourages you to do keto um, and, you know, you will find trainers out there or coaches or even just general people who will say they want to do keto because they have all these other diet restrictions. Uh, personally, I think people maybe steer themselves towards the keto diet because they think it helps them cut calories. But actually for a woman, the keto diet just doesn't work. You know, females need carbohydrates in their diet to keep their metabolism working, to keep their hormones balanced, to keep everything functioning. And, um, you know, the keto diet was proven to work for overweight men essentially in America. So I think a lot of people have taken it too far and like I did, you know, think that something like that would benefit me and it a hundred percent did not. Mm. Yeah. It's so annoying because we, I mean, I was doing some reading yesterday and it was about the, the gender gap in research and sports science research. And they were just talking about how studies conducted on men are given as the titles don't include that it's done on men it just says um this study done on humans leads to this whereas exclusively done on women studies state that they're done on women and so they've grouped all of this information that's come from studies done on men and said this is for the general public and it's for everyone without taking into consideration women's sex hormones and female sex hormones it blows my mind and it makes me really annoyed that so many women have suffered because of the lack of acknowledgement of them existing in the world and their hormones and them being different. So it just makes me really annoyed. And like Lyd said, like we need carbohydrate to ovulate. Like you literally need that to make your brain send signals to your body to ovulate. Like it's so important that women have carbohydrate carbs are queen and like Liz said like eat pasta to run faster last time and I just love that because it's so true it's just really frustrating and I think for me I I struggled with fasted um, running so my coach told me you know I was too big and he suggested that I fast before my runs and just drink black coffee and you know I did everything he said and I put on weight and I ran slower and fasting in women in their reproductive years is risky with your menstrual cycle and we just don't need to do it there's no need for it women need fuel we need to eat before we run and straight after every three hours we should be fueling and that's just to keep our body ticking over and so that we can continue to run and continue to train and be able to show up and recover after hard sessions so yeah no more pushing fasting and keto for 2023. Thank you. I will put a disclaimer there saying that we do know that fasting and keto can work for some people if they have particular um, health issues going on and mm -hmm. there is a time and a place for it. But for the general population of females who move, neither of those things work. Okay. The last one we wanted to touch on is about platforms that force you to compare yourselves to others. And we won't name any platforms here, but I'm sure many of you can probably assume the platforms we're talking about, but I mean, even just in our normal social media platforms, yeah, there is so much comparison going on. But when it comes to 
you know, specific training platforms where you can see data and numbers. You can see how far people run, how fast they are, their paces. That is toxic in itself. You know, when it comes to exercise, especially running, we should all be doing it for ourselves. Even at the elite level, you should still be partaking in the sport for yourself and not for anybody else. So being on those platforms can really create a toxic relationship with the sport because you end up not doing it for yourself anymore. You end up doing it for the people that follow you and to put numbers on the board. And that is just not the right approach if you want to have, have a healthy and sustainable relationship with the sport. And something we definitely discourage is, is getting heavily involved in those platforms because you should be running for the right reasons. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. And I think just like to add to that, the the platforms that we're talking about they and I know because I've been in them and they're toxic because you do get praised more for when you run faster and when you do longer runs and I think for everyone you know running means something different it might just mean going for a 5k run every day um, or every second day and that's enough for you and that's perfect but if you only get praised for like the length and the pace and like you know all these stats that are so clear on these platforms you lose your own version of success. And it's sad because like you should be so proud of yourself for getting out there for 5Ks and even going for a walk or doing anything, any form of exercise, you should be proud of yourself. And I think it just, you know, highlights this one form of success, which is just not fair on everyone. You know, everyone's got a different version of that. Yeah, definitely. And like I was actually saying to you, yes, this morning, like I feel partly responsible and almost like guilty for posting stuff on training platforms in the past because I know for a fact so many people would be following me and seeing my numbers and comparing themselves to what I do and I've seen in my own inner circles people trying to almost do what I do or keep up with the training that I do we're not realizing that I've run my entire life we don't have the same journeys we haven't had the same journeys to get to this point so there's no way you should be doing what I'm doing and then I end up seeing these people essentially burn out and not be able to run because they've overdone it and they haven't done what's right for themselves. And this is really why I want to talk to this point so much is because like I feel bad about posting those numbers and I haven't been on any of those platforms for a long time now. And yeah, I'll post like my long runs or something on Instagram every now and then, but there's no context behind it. And I, I enjoy that. And it's nice if I can be an inspiration to someone else, but not to the point that people are comparing themselves to me and feeling bad about what they're doing and then putting their health on the line because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's something in that, like posting your runs and being proud of them is still really, really cool. But if you're posting them all the time and it's driving your actual, your motivation for your runs, look internally and think about what you're actually doing. Cause I used to do the same thing as in you weren't saying this exactly, but I would look at these platforms, look at my weekly mileage, look at people I was competing with and try to run more and, you know, try to run faster because I knew I'd get more likes because of that. So it was actually influencing my behavior. I wasn't listening to my body anymore. I wasn't doing what was right for me. I was doing it for the validation. And I think a lot of people do that. And so really analyzing this year and 2023 is the year of self-awareness and looking internally and thinking about why you're doing something. And if it's not for you to feel better about yourself and feel good about yourself, then maybe don't do it. 100%. And I think I might've mentioned this before, but I remember I encouraged one of my good friends to get off a training platform and she ended up getting rid of it that day. And she was meant to go for a run that evening. And she was like, oh, maybe I won't run because I don't have to post 
I won't be able to post that run on the platform. And I'm like, well, that speaks for itself and that you're literally running for other people, like start making decisions that are right for you and build a really healthy relationship with the movement. Well, I think that covers that covers those five points. So hopefully you got something out of this conversation. We've had I've had a lot of DMs about this and a lot of people have been sharing it around. So thanks to everyone who got behind it and thanks for all the messages. Uh, it's nice to hear that it did resonate with a lot of you. So thank you. But um, we will be back next week. Thank you. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, we are on Instagram at femi.co or you can head to our website, femi.co. Um, but we'll be back in your ears next week with a very special guest. Woo-hoo.